Lilius was my mother. I barely remembered her, but the memory was all delightful. Deliciously pretty, full of joyous spirits and invariably kind, she danced her way up from scullery maid to the heights of housemaiding at the hall with a light heart and, as was found to my cost, what her 18th century namesake would have called a light skirt. I had never been told who my father was. My mother was, of course, banished from service at the hall when she was found to be pregnant. Her parents, defying the customs of the time, took her in and cared lovingly for her, and in due time for her baby, while the Brandons, without a word on the subject, left their gardener and their cook to manage their own affairs, which showed their good sense, since cooks as good as my grandmother were, even in those days, hard to come by. When I was five years old, my grandfather died. Soon after his death, Gran's elder sister came from Scotland to keep her company. This was Aunt Betsy, and with her came change. Aunt Betsy was religious. Rose Cottage was no longer a place of kindness, but of godliness with a capital G. My mother stood it for a year. Then, one night, soon after my sixth birthday, she left. The room I shared with her was at the front of the cottage, over the kitchen, which was our main living room. I was wakened from sleep by raised voices. Grand's, urgent with something that could have been despair or anger. My mother's, unwantedly shrill and tearful. Aunt Betsy's, high, hard and assured. I slid down under the bedclothes and covered my ears. A door slammed, light footsteps on the bare wooden stairs. My bedroom door opening softly, my mother at my bedside. Then a swift kiss, which let me know that there were tears on her cheeks. I stood at the window and watched her go down the front path. I never saw her again. She had gone with the gypsies, Gran said. Every year they came to the same lane near our house for a few nights, and they were there on the night she left. But by morning the camp had vanished without trace, and there'd been no way of getting in touch with her. From time to time she wrote, usually with the card she sent for Christmas and for Grand's and my birthdays. Some two years later she sent news that she was going to be married, and was off to Ireland where Jamie had been offered a job. She would write from there and tell us all about it. But she never did. She had been killed in a bus crash, she and Jamie, somewhere in the west of Ireland. That was all Gran told me. It was Aunt Betsy, inevitably, who gave me the details. The couple had been the only passengers in the small country bus when, in the dark, it ran into a stray bullock loose on the road and plunged down a bank and burst into flames. I said nothing and took up my grief and horror in nightmares. But when, a little time later, Aunt Betsy was found to be working a text in cross-stitch which said, The wages of sin is death. My grandmother, normally the gentlest of women, tore it out of her sister's hands and threw it into the fire. And for once, Aunt Betsy never said a word.